had a good weekend in the Lord and uh, being able to spend some time with your families and friends and um, celebrate all of the wonderful things that we have. We have a lot to be thankful for, amen. We are a blessed, uh, a blessed people, a blessed nation, uh, a blessed church. Um, before I get into the message, I want to give you a brief update on the uh, transition that we're going through right now as leadership in the church. Um, just last week, I met with, and I mentioned this last week, I met with the deacons and other leaders in the church, and uh, we had a good meeting. It was very short, which is always a good meeting, amen? And uh, we just communicated some initial plans that we'll be um, enacting in January as we'll be meeting together on a regular basis to begin to discover um, some future uh, elders for Grace Bible Church, and um, so that process has begun. We're taking the holiday season off to focus on the holidays, and then we'll um, refocus on that in January. Additionally, this morning, I'm thankful to announce that, that Ron Firstbrook, who is one of our elders who requested a leave of absence 18 months ago uh, due to some health issues, has agreed to return to active elder status during this season of transition. So Ron, uh, just a few. For those of you who um, are new to the church, uh, just a few things about Ron. Ron was affirmed as an elder of Grace Bible Church in 2003 or 2004. Um, he was unsure of what year it was, but <laughs> we'll, we'll let him pass on that one. And uh, he has served faithfully as an elder until, or he had served faith, faithfully as an elder until his leave of absence in May of 2017, which was um, right after I had, had gotten here. He immediately took a leave of absence. Um, yeah, I know. Did somebody, somebody got that one really well. All right, that's enough of that. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Back to the serious side of this thing. Uh, so he took a leave of absence right when I got here. He had spent basically the last 18, 18 months prior to me getting here, he was um, the primary responsible for teaching the church. Um, and so during that 18 months while the church was looking for a teaching pastor, he fulfilled that role. And then um, he, just for health reasons, he wanted to take a break um, from doing that. Um, since being on that leave, Ron has remained faithful to the, to the church here and to its ministries, and his health have, has substantially improved while being on this leave. Um, so working together in the future, Ron and I will work closely over the next several months in leading the church. He and I will also work in identifying future elders for the, uh, from the uh, group that we met with last week, and it's possible that others might come into that group, but... Um, but that's the group that we'll be focusing on, just identifying some um, men who might lead in the future. And then after additional elders have been brought on, um, Ron plans to reevaluate his situation. Um, so Ron's heart is to be a, a help through this process and this transition, and then after that to kind of see what the Lord has for him for the future. Uh, just to ask that you please continue to pray for and support the GBF Church family as God leads us through this transitional time, it's important that we uh, support each other, we encourage each other, we help, help each other in these times of transition. And um, I don't want to call them difficult times because times of tran transition are normal. They're uh, things that we all go through and we all face transitional times in our life. And um, sometimes they're very helpful. They help us grow. They help us face difficulty um, with the right attitude and the right heart. But my prayer is, and my request that you guys would be in prayer, is that we face this transitional time by functioning in his grace, which means that we function in the power of Christ, which we just sang about, and we function for his glory. Amen? Because truly, that's what we're here for. And, uh, and, and in the end... Um, God will be glorified, and, and Grace Bible Church will be strong. Amen? Amen. We'll be strong. We'll be able, to, be able to function as we ought to. So those are some updates. Um, 
I didn't plan on giving an update this week, um, but because of some of the things that were uh, coming to the forefront, I thought it would be valuable for you guys to know kind of where we're at. And then um, down the road, as things, as transition happens and things come up, we will, we will let you know. We will um, be transparent about these things and let you know what's going on. And if you have any questions about these transitions, about the process that we're going through for the future, we, um, Ron or I, or the deacons, will be happy to sit down with you and address those. Um, we, wanna, we want to remain united and focused on the glory of our Lord. So with that, uh, you're, this morning we're in Ephesians chapter number 5. Um, we're taking a little bit of a, of a slight transition, being the Thanksgiving season. And uh, then the next several weeks, we'll probably focus a little bit on the Christmas season. And then we'll come back to our study on the church um, sometime in January. And so um, Ephesians chapter number 5. So as we celebrate this weekend, uh, Thanksgiving, a uh, time of, of, of the year that has been set apart for us to give thanks for all that we have, for all that we are. Uh, as Christians, we obviously identify more closely with giving thanks to God for the many blessings that he has bestowed upon us. And in addition to that, we are, we are called to give thanks to God for simply for who he is. I think sometimes it's easy to lose sight of, um, to, to focus in on all that we have as being the foundation of our thankfulness and not focus in on, on who Christ is and what he has done for us as being the source of our thankfulness. And then when our circumstances or our situations or we uh, go awry or we lose something that we thought was valuable to us, we um, then also lose our thankfulness. And we want to give you, I want to give you a couple definitions of thankfulness this morning, and then we'll uh, jump into our study, which will be from several passages of Scripture. To be thankful is in many ways, uh, is in, in, in a way of saying good job. It is, a, it is an expression of showing appreciation, showing trust for what somebody has done. When you say thank you to somebody, you are saying to them, I appreciate what you have done, and I think that you have done a good job. It's expressed by being hopeful. It's expressed by being joyful. It's expressed by being peaceful and restful. In many ways, if you take Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, you could lump them together, and you would have a thankful heart, a heart that's full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all of these things. You would ha have somebody that sees things from the right perspective and sees what God is doing in this world and sees it as being good. It's easy to look at the world around us and to recognize if, if you watch the news long enough, we could all probably number the amount of people this year who were hurt or how many storms we faced this year or how many days did we face certain circumstances or situations or how many people this year were were killed by car accidents or how many people this year were killed by alcohol or how many we can we can almost give those numbers but what we, we often forget to do is to number the people who were not killed by those things we forget to number the situations that were good. We forget to count the goodness of God because we lose sight of what the world views as being important, which is these negative, fear-oriented things. Thankfulness means to look at what God has done and to show appreciation, to show uh, acceptance as being good, all of the things that he does in the world that we live in. Being thankful is the cup half full mentality, not the cup half empty mentality. We look at all that God has done and we see it as being good. And because of that, we say thank you to our God. On the other hand, what does it mean to be unthankful? If thankfulness is a way of expressing that we believe that God has done a good job, what does it mean to be unthankful? Unthankful is a way of expressing that we believe God has done a, that God has done a bad job. Now, none of us would ever say God has done a bad job. But yet every day as we murmur and complain and, and, and these things, what we are ultimately saying is God hasn't done a good job. Our murmuring and complaining 
is a way of expressing a dissatisfaction with all that God has done. You think about how the Lord expressed in the Old Testament the, his, his, his anger towards a, an unthankful heart. The children of Israel, one of the greatest things that God challenged them on and pushed them towards is not being murmuring and complaining, but being people full of thankfulness because it was an expression uh, um, from them of their God. Uh, he leads us in the path of righteousness for his namesake. So a thankful heart says to the world around us that we serve a God that's good, even in the midst of difficult and dark situations. And, and we do serve a God that's good in the midst of difficult and dark circumstances. Amen? Amen? We do serve a God. Our God is always good. There is nothing that our God does that is not good. It doesn't mean that the goodness of God is always going to line up with our definition of God's goodness, but we can understand, we can know as a fact from God's word that everything that he does is good. Everything that he does is good. So being unthankful, which is expressed in murmuring, complaining, frustration, doubt, fear, being unthankful is simply a way of saying to God, you have done a bad job. When you're unthankful for your wife or your husband, you are saying to God, you did a bad job of giving this person to me. God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't do bad jobs in anything. While we understand the origin of Thanksgiving back in the 1600s, was an um, expression of thanks for a visible blessing, true thanksgiving is not always a result of what we see as being visibly good. In, in other words, it's not always visibly good things that we're thankful for. And there are things that happen in life that as we grow in developing an appreciation for who God is, we're able to be thankful for those things in spite of the fact that they're often not visibly good. Thankfulness, true thankfulness at its core, is not the result of what you see, but it is the result of what you know about the character of your God. True thankfulness flows from your knowledge of God's character, not necessarily the easiness of your circumstances. In other words, there are times in life that we're thankful for things that aren't visibly good. Job is a good example of this, as Job faced the greatest of trials. Job faced those great trials in just a short period of time. He literally lost everything that he had from his children to his home to his wealth and riches. Job lost everything. Job lost all those blessings, if you will, from the Lord. And here's his response in Job 1 and 21. And he said, naked came I from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in other words, it's a way of Job saying thank you to the Lord for this difficulty, for this trial. What's interesting is this. In the book of Job, Satan's challenge to the Lord is this. Job only serves you because you bless him. Job only serves you because you give him visible blessings. And the, the whole process in the book of Job was Job saying no to visible blessings in order to have true spiritual blessings. Each one of his friends said to him, Job, if you'll just repent, you'll, re you'll receive your physical blessings back again. His friends didn't realize that what they were doing is they were playing on Satan's side of the issue. They were trying to get Job to submit to getting all of his blessings back. I wonder sometimes for us how we worship the Lord when things are going good and when things go bad. Somebody says, hey, just do this, this, and this, and you'll get your blessings back. 
It is truly, is truly our thankfulness to God built around what he gives us? Or is our thankfulness to God built around who he is? And the reality is this, that God's character never changes. And because God's character never changes, if our thankfulness is built around his character, our thankfulness will also never change. So Job is able to express thankfulness to God in the midst of the darkest and most difficult circumstances because he based his thankfulness not on his circumstances, but he based his thankfulness on what he knew about God. A little antidote for this. A little boy was once asked by his father to say thanks or to say grace at the table. While the rest of the family was waiting, the little boy eyed every dish of food his mother had prepared. And you can imagine a nice layout of of all of the different things. You can imagine maybe some carrots and some broccoli and all of these things that every child loves. Amen? (laughs) After his examination, he bowed his head and said, Honestly, Lord, I do not like what I see, but I thank you for it. And I'll eat it anyway. Amen. Sometimes we don't like what we see. Sometimes we don't understand what we see. Sometimes what we see doesn't look good to us. But in the same sense that this boy with all of these things laid out on the table did not understand that those things were healthy for him. Those things were good for him. He was thankful because he understood the character of his mother. He understood her heart. True thanksgiving is not limited to the shallowness of our eyes, but it reaches to the depths of our hearts. Being thankful is not just a circumstance, situation, or or condition. It's a heart condition. I'm mindful in Luke 17. You're familiar with the story of the ten lepers who come to the Lord. The Bible says that the Lord heals all ten of them. He sends them to the priest to have their healing verified, one of them comes back and says what? He says, thank you. I mean, it's the most basic of thank you for what you did. The Bible says to that man of all of the 10, the Bible says to that man of all the 10, all of them were healed of their physical disease, right? But that man, he says to him, your faith has made you whole. So in that context, here is a man who comes back thankful and the Lord says to him, your thankfulness is a representation of your faithfulness. Your thankfulness for this this miracle identifies you as having faith. And he says, because of that faith, I know that you're not only whole physically, but you are also whole spiritually. We just read Ephesians 5. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, it says, um, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything. The Apostle Paul here identifies being filled with the Spirit and he connects it directly to being thankful all the time. Always being thankful, not just always being thankful, but he says always being thankful for everything or in every circumstance or in every situation. Being filled with the Spirit is directly connected to being thankful. So if being filled with the Spirit is directly connected to being thankful, what do you think is directly connected to not being filled with the Spirit? Not being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, the Bible says, in everything, give thanks, right? For this is the will of God concerning you. The will of God is directly connected to thankfulness. I was a youth youth pastor for seven years prior to becoming a senior pastor, and I remember teenagers, high school kids, kids getting ready to graduate, coming to me and saying, Pastor John, what is God's will for my life? And, And they were looking for some type of a path 
a direction. You know, where does God want me to go to college? What career? They were looking for a brick from heaven that said their life, the next 10 years of their life was planned out by God. And the answer is given to us in one simple verse. It is to find God's purpose and plan in everything that he has you doing and to be thankful for. To delight in him, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. In other words, he will plant his desires in your heart as you delight in him. Thankfulness is the will of God for us. That's what he desires from us. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 2, in reference to the last days. He talks about in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of things, heady, high-minded. And goes through, I'm only giving you a few. He goes through a whole list of things that are referring to the sinfulness of the last days, the selfishness of the last days. And you know what one of the things is that's lumped right in the middle of that conversation that he makes with Timothy is that men will be unthankful. Men will be unthankful. We, we need to challenge our own hearts when somebody does something for us, when somebody blesses us in any way, when somebody, uh, whatever, somebody serves us, whatever, we need to be mindful to say thank you to that person. And not just to say the words, but to truly feel, the, feel that inside of our hearts. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that ministry. Thank you for that service. Thank you. And there's a way in which we can experience that. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the second to last book of the New Testament, the book of Jude. The book of Jude. A very short book that closes out the New Testament um, just before Revelation. It's describing, um, it's describing evil. I'm just going to begin reading in verse number 11. Woe to them, for they walked in the ways of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain as Balaam's error and perished in Korah's, in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden wreaths at, at, at your love feast as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, water, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It also, it was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the um, ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are, what's the next word? Grumblers. What's a grumbler? What's a grumbler? Complainer. Mm, complainer. Not thankful. It says malcontents. Discontents. Following after their own sinful desires, they are loud mouth boasters showing favoritism to gain advantage. These are things that describe for us, uh, on one end of the spectrum, the unthankfulness of our heart describes for us the evil of this day. And we live in an evil day. It's not, Paul wasn't writing to a more evil day than we have today. Unthankfulness is, is, is less than it was back in his days. But it also describes the the, a thankful heart also describes the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit indwelling somebody. It is the fullness of Christ in us that causes us to be thankful. It is a recognition of Christ in us that causes us to be thankful. And we'll look at that here in just a moment. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 
We're going to look at a few things this morning in, in practical application to this idea of being thankful. Why is it important to be thankful? How can we be thankful? What are some things that we can focus on to help us be thankful? So the first thing I want you to look at in 1 Thessalonians 5 is the command to be thankful. The Lord says in 1 Thessalonians 5, as he deals with the last days, he's giving encouragement to people during the, life, during the last days on, on how to function, how to live in light of the fact that there's evil and the Lord's return can be soon. And we all agree with that. And he says in verse number 18, give thanks in all circumstances. This is a command. It's an imperative, if you will. The, the verb give is an imperative. It's something that is being commanded by the Lord. Give thanks as a command so that in the last days, in these difficult times, we still are commanded to see God and his goodness and his control and his power in these things. He tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. That means in everything. Again, a little bit of a contrast between this and Ephesians 5 where he says, um, in everything give thanks. Or, or in Ephesians 5 where he says, give thanks. Uh, let me just look at it real quick here. Ephesians chapter number 5 where he says, giving thanks always for everything. It's a little bit of a different uh, uh, theme here or thought. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he talks about giving thanks in every circumstance, in every situation. So whatever situation that you're in, whatever circumstances that you're in, you're commanded to give thanks. Now what's important to know is that while there is a command here, there is a recognition that this command cannot be fulfilled just externally. It's not a command like a law that's written on a, on a bunch of tablets. It's a command that demands that there be a law written on your heart. In other words, thankfulness is not something that you can fulfill just by saying thank you on the outside. Thankfulness has to be fulfilled on the inside. It's like if you tell somebody, to, if you make a command on somebody to, to love someone else, that's not something that's fulfilled on the outside, it's something that's fulfilled on the inside. The, the reality is this, that man in and of himself is incapable of truly being thankful absent the spirit of God living inside of him. So when God makes a command like this, he understands that he recognizes that this demand is a demand that demands the Spirit of God to be present in an individual. Not only to be present in an individual, but to be the ultimate power, the ult and ultimate control in that individual's life. The Spirit of God must be present and the Spirit of God must be powerful in order for an individual to be thankful in every circumstance. This is where a command like this points an individual to salvation. Will God hold us accountable if we're not thankful? The answer is yes. But will God make us thankful through the indwelling Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. So a lost person will be held accountable for not being thankful because the Lord commands us to be thankful. But a saved person is not thankful because of what they do. They're thankful because of the indwelling Spirit of God inside of them. So how do we be thankful? We be thankful by submitting to the Spirit of God within us, by being controlled by the Spirit of God. Again, back in Ephesians 5, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. This is what makes us thankful. Um, this is what makes us sing in our hearts. This is what makes us talk to ourselves about the goodness and the glory of God. He says we're to be thankful in all things. He makes this command of, to be thankful in all things, but not only in all things, but at all times. Life should be filled. When he says pray without ceasing, it's a similar to being thankful all the time. And meaning that our life should be a life that is consumed with prayer. Our life should be a life that is consumed with thankfulness. And in every circumstance and at all times, we should be filled with thanks. 
When we wake up in the morning, it should be a time of thankfulness. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for life. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you for my wife and my children. Thank you for all of these wonderful things. And you'll be amazed at how having this attitude will begin to change your focus on, on life, your impression of life. He commands us to be thankful in everything and at all times. He commands us to do it. And again, he recognizes within the command that he is going to have to do it for us. There are some theologians and theologies out there that say that God would never command us to do something that, we're not, that he would not enable us to do. Okay, and that is error because the Lord often in his word commands, the Lord always in his word commands us to do things that we in and of ourselves are incapable of doing. What is he doing? He's driving us to the one who is capable. When the Lord makes a command of us, it is to drive us to Jesus. It is to drive us to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's to drive us to submission to Christ. So when we see these commands, it's not about us it's not about us doing something, it's about us submitting to the one who has already done it and will continue to do it through us. It is a command to be thankful in all things and at all times. And it's the will of God, he says at the end of this verse, this is the will of God concerning you. You'll notice that it's not the will of man. It's not, he doesn't say this is your will. Matter of fact, our wills often don't line up with God's will. Our fleshly desires often don't line up with God's divine purpose and divine plan. This, again, is why we learn to submit to his will and his purposes and not submitting to our own will. God's will is that we be thankful in every situation and in all things. And when we are thankful in every situation and in all things, he is honored and glorified. And it's always for our good, the Romans 8, 28, that you're all familiar with. For we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Again, Ephesians 5 and verse 20, giving thanks always for everything. And then 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances. So we see the command, it's here, it's laid out for us, we're um, told to do it, we're expected to do it as children of God. Um, it should be something that we do normally, but it's often difficult to do. So that's the command. Number two, the concept of being thankful. How can we be thankful in all things? How is it possible for us to be thankful in every circumstance of life? How is it possible to be thankful for bad things? How is it possible for us to be thankful for difficult things? How is it possible for us to be thankful for um, hard things or, or things that um, don't seem good for us? How is it possible for us to be thankful in every situation and in every circumstance? Two things, if you're taking notes. Number one is faith. It is possible for us to be thankful in every circumstance if we learn to live by faith. If we learn to live every situation of life in light of Jesus Christ. That is truly what faith is. It's, it's learning to live in, in, the, in, the, in the light of the cross. It's learning to live in light of God's Christ character, Christ's personality. It's learning to live every circumstance of life, not by what we see with our eyes, by what, but, but by what we know in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by, not by sight. So the only way that you're able to walk through life, thankful in every situation and in every circumstance is if you can learn to close your eyes every once in a while and not to see what's going on around you, not to look at things through your eyes, but to look at things through God's eyes. 
I'm always amazed at John 17 when Jesus Christ is praying for his disciples. He prays and he says about them, he says, I don't only pray for you only, but I, but I pray for all of those who are gonna believe on me through your witness. And this is just prior to his disciples, these very people that he's praying about, it's just prior to them totally forsaking him, leaving him there and running as far away as they possibly can from him. But Jesus Christ speaks in faith. He looks beyond what is visible and he knows what God is going to do in the future. And if we're going to live lives of thankfulness for every circumstance and in every situation of life, we have to learn to see things from God's perspective. We have to learn to close our human fleshly eyes and open our eyes of faith and see things as God sees them. This is why Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to learn to look at life through God's eyes. This is where the cross of Jesus Christ becomes a good thing and not a bad thing. When people look at the cross of Jesus Christ through human eyes and, and all, the, all the things that were done that were um, illegal in that process, all the things that were done that were not right in that process, all of the things that were done that seemingly from a human perspective should not have happened, these things are exalted in God's eyes because this was God's plan and this was God's purpose that through, this, through all of these horrible things happening, people would come and be saved through Jesus Christ. Had all of this not happened, these people would not be saved. So humanity looks at this in a negative light and Acts tells us that it all happened by the foreordained plan of God. Jesus Christ hanging on the cross was a blessing to the world. It is good that one man dies for all. It is good that we get to experience the salvation that comes through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is a good thing, not a bad thing. But if we look at it from human eyes, we don't see that. But if we look at it through God's eyes, we can see that. How do we be thankful in every situation? We begin to live by faith. We begin to live with our human eyes closed and our, and our divine eyes, our faith, eyes of faith open. And then if you'll turn with me to Psalm 136, the second thing that must that is crucial to a thankful heart is not only living a life of faith, but it is living a life in light of mercy. It's not only living a life of faith, but it's living a life in light of mercy. Say, what do you mean by living a life in light of mercy? Well, it's important, first of all, that we understand what mercy is. Mercy is when we deserve something, a punishment or something of a negative kind, and we don't get it, okay? That's what mercy is, mercy. And, and not only that, but I would take it even one step further. It's when somebody else takes our punishment for us. That's what Jesus Christ did. So if we're going to live a life of thankfulness in every situation and in every circumstance, we must begin, number one, understanding what we deserve, Okay, We must start from the ground level of what do I deserve. You see, if I look at life and I think that everybody owes me something, I'm going to live a life of disappointment, aren't I? I'm going to live a life of frustration, murmuring and complaining because no one ever gives me what I, what I think I deserve. However... On the other end of the spectrum, it is somebody who realizes that what we deserve is not good. We deserve to be condemned eternally in a place called hell. Every single one of us deserves that. We don't deserve any of God's goodness. We don't deserve any of God's kindness. We don't deserve any of God's grace. We don't deserve any of God's mercy. What we deserve is God's wrath. What we deserve is God's judgment. You say, Pastor John, this isn't very friendly. I'm not trying to be friendly or unfriendly. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. If you're going to live a life of thankfulness, you must go back to the roots of what do I deserve in my life? 
If your expectations of what you deserve in life are up here, then you will never be satisfied until those expectations are reached. But if you know that what you deserve is condemnation and justice, and you receive any level of kindness, you will be, you will be thankful. You will be thankful. You have to get back to what we deserve, who we are. Romans chapter number three, there is no one who is good. There, no, not even one. If you, if you question that, that there is somebody who is good, please, there is no one who is good. Romans three tells us that. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wrath of God in Romans one and verse 18 will be poured out upon all unrighteousness and sinfulness of men, Right? The wrath of God will be poured out on all unrighteousness and sinfulness of men. So what hope do we have? If I am a sinner and the wrath of God will be poured out on all sin, what hope do I have? The hope that I have is that Jesus Christ purchased for me God's mercy and God's grace. And that he bestowed that upon me and I was totally undeserving of that. The very fact that I'm standing up here breathing this morning is a grace from God. The fact that I can walk around and preach from a book that is perfect and holy and righteous, that's God's grace. That's his mercy. That's his kindness. I, I don't deserve this. We don't deserve this. But yet, but yet we have it. The more we learn to associate life with God's mercies, the more we'll be thankful. Listen to what Psalm 136 says. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Amen? For his mercy, his steadfast love, it's the same term. His mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love and mercy endures Forever. And every verse in this text says, for his mercy endures forever. And then he closes the book out with, the chapter out with, give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. How, how do we learn to be thankful? We learn to look at life through God's eyes and we learn to look at life through the concept of mercy. It truly is the only hope that we have for being thankful and not being complaining or murmuring. The concept of being thankful. Number three, the content, the content of being thankful. Or in other words, what makes us thankful? We know that looking through the eyes of faith and, and looking through the eyes of mercy are the ways in which we can be thankful, but what do we see what do we have to have in order to be thankful in these situations? There are three things very quickly. Number one, when we see things from God's perspective, we are learning to trust in his plan. We must trust that God has a plan for everything, every situation and every circumstance in our life. It's, it's Romans eight twenty eight. for we know that all things, not some things, not good things, but all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Does God have a plan for everything that happens? God has a plan for everything that happens. The only way that we're able to be thankful is, is if we embrace in trust that God has a plan for every situation and every circumstance that happens in our life. We must embrace that by faith that God has a plan. And we can talk about the fact that God's plan is perfect. God's plan is built around his, his power and his knowledge. We can, we can talk about those things. But the reality of it is, is to embrace the fact that God has a plan for everything that happens in my life. Proverbs 3 and verse 6, the Bible says, or 3 and verse 5 and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Or in all your ways, trust him. And he will straighten or make your paths straight. And I quoted earlier Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. One of the main, one of the main reasons why people complain and murmur in life a lot is that they fail to realize that God has a purpose. They fail to see God's purpose in things. God has a purpose. Number two, we must trust, first of all, in God's plan. We must trust, number two, in God's control or in God's power. Not only does God have a plan, but God is completely capable, based upon his sovereign power, to carry out his plan to perfection. He is strong. God is strong and God is mighty. He can stop or create or do whatever he wants to do in any situation or any circumstance. It's interesting as you study the life of Job in the book of Job, you will find that that Job suffered for probably about a year. What we know is this, that when God decided Job's suffering was over, Job's suffering was over. Right? Right? There's nothing in the text that talks about that Job did certain things so his suffering would end. When God deciding it was over, it was over. This is the power of our God. God has the ability to start and to stop things with his very thought. So the trial, the tribulation, the difficulty that you're going through in life, you can realize this. God has a plan for it and God has a power to save you from it. God has the power to save you in it or God has the power to save you through it. God has the strength to do whatever he desires to do. He has the power to do it. The Bible says in Job 9 and verse 12, Behold, he snatches away. Who can turn him back? Who can say to him, what are you doing? And then he says in Romans 9 15, he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So we trust in God's plan, number one, to be thankful. We trust in God's power, number two, to be thankful. Number three, we trust in God's goodness. We trust that God is always good to his children. God's nature and God's character demands that he does that which is good and right. And remember this, what is good and right is not what defines what God does, What God does is what defines what is good and right. God is the definition of what is good and right. The Bible says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow due to change. Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11 talks about the giving of bread. If a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know what is good, um, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we, we have the fact that we are commanded to be thankful in every situation and every circumstance. We have the reality that faith and mercy are necessary, focusing on faith and mercy, living a life under the... Um, Perspective of faith and mercy helps us to be thankful. And then trusting in God's goodness, trusting in God's power, and trusting in God's plan will also help us to be thankful. The last thing this morning is the communication of that thankfulness. How do we communicate thankfulness to God? And there's just simply two things. We communicate thankfulness to God, number one, by worshiping him. It's by honoring him with our worship. When we raise our hands to the Lord, when we sing praises to him, we are We are worshiping him. We are honoring him for who he is. We are honoring him for what he has done. True, a true expression of thankfulness is that we worship God. A true expression of trust is that we worship God. But in addition to worshiping God, it is important that we worship God to express our thanksgiving to him. But in addition to worshiping God, another way of being thankful to God is by being obedient to him. It's not just that we worship him, but that we obey him. We do what he requires of us or requests of us. It's like a child who is asked by a parent to do something. If that child trusts that parent fully and is, finds themselves 
thankful for that parent's kindness and goodness and plan and, and control and all of that, that child is not going to be struggling to do what that parent asks him to do. In the same way, as we grow in trusting God's plan, trusting his power, and trusting in his goodness, when he asks us to do things, it's not going to be difficult for us to do those things. As the Holy Spirit lives within us, it motivates us. It encourages us and it pushes us into obedience to Christ. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, you'll find that love and trust are inseparable. It's impossible to separate love and trust. And yet, John chapter number 14 and 15, and in the book of 1 John, the Lord says, if you love me, if you trust me, you will do what? You will keep my commandments. It doesn't say keep my commandments in order to gain my love. It says if you love me, if the power of Christ has made you into a lover of Christ, if the, if the cross has made you into a lover of the Lord, you will keep his commandments. Keeping his commandments will not make you any more righteous, but keeping his commandments identify you as being trusting and as being righteous based upon what he has done for you. Lord, help us to be a, a thankful people, a people that are thankful to him ultimately for all that he's done. Help us to be a trusting people so that we can be a thankful people. And in the end, as we are thankful people, may the world around us see this heart that only he can give and may they glorify him who is in heaven. We must remember, we have nothing to worry about. God has a plan he is completely in control, and he is always good. Let us be trusting, and then let us be thankful. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We pray that you would help us in this area of thankfulness, help us to recognize the power of Christ in us, and that through his presence we can learn to be trusting and learn to be thankful and, and learn to do that which you require of us. I pray your blessing upon your word this morning and ask that you would help us to go home and to be thankful and meditate on what you've given us and give you the praise for.